Welcome to Loving Beyond the I Do Podcast. This power couple is building stronger marriages one day at a time. Talking about real issues on love, relationships, and marriage longevity. Let's break down the barriers and engage in healthy conversation with your hosts, Jason and Tina Marie. Take a seat and buckle up because things are about to get real. Hey, 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 welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of Loving Beyond the I Do podcast. With your hosts, Jason and Tina Marie. That's me. All right. So thanks for tuning in to another week to hear what we have to say. And today we have a special guest with us. Comedy Woods. So welcome, Comedy. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with you guys. We're so glad to have you. So I know we did it in the intro. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, Comedy. All right. So personally, I'm the mom of five. Uh, my oldest is turning 20 in August and my youngest just turned eight at the beginning of July. Uh, professionally, though, I work with individuals, uh, a lot of high achievers, people pleasers, perfectionists, those <laughs> trying to do more in their everyday life. Uh, I work with them one on one to really, truly gain the clarity that they're that they're searching for, moving them from being feeling that feeling of stuckness and not enoughness into a place of clarity, into a place of deep self-acceptance so that they can move forward in their professional careers, but also to build uh, healthier, non-toxic relationships. Uh, oftentimes when I'm dealing with people who are these high achievers, um, it bleeds over into their relationships. And that's actually, Jason, you and I had a, a nice conversation about that, which sort of led me to you guys. Uh, <laughs> So that's just me in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> that's wonderful. Actually, we're kind of in, intrigued with both sides, the five, the family of, you know, mama five mm -hmm. and with your professional aspects. So that's beautiful. Wow. So how does how does your career lead into your personal life as far as with your five kids? Because I know, you know, you talked about your oldest daughter just a second ago. So how does that work? Do you find yourself working with your kids the way you work with your clients? So and that's a great question. Um, they actually call me out routinely and they'll say, stop coaching me, just be mom. <laughs> Although I will say, so um, my two oldest are, are definitely high achievers. My oldest one is a professional ballerina. And then my oldest son, who's my second oldest, uh, has aspirations to play lacrosse in college. So he's a rising senior. Um, so this summer has been all about recruiting and and just the stresses that come with that. And I'm not going to lie, my training and just the work that I do on a daily basis has definitely come into play and has and has been very helpful um, for them, I believe, as well as for me as a parent, uh, being able to separate, for instance, my own my own issues or my own projections onto them. Uh, so in that sense, I will say that I have I have really, truly leaned on my professional training uh, just to, <laughs> to, to be that supportive parent uh, that I needed to be for both of them. <laughs> well, see, you have a kind of an unfair advantage because you have these tools and everything. <laughs> right, right. So you like that super parent now. It's like, OK, now I need to step back and let them grow. And that's uh, well, why they say, Mom, stop coaching us. Yeah, like, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Take off your hat. It's really funny, though, because my husband will say at times, like, I'll just let you handle this. <laughs> <laughs> so so when you the career that you chose, was it after having kids or was it, you know, before? So did, how did you come into the field that you're in? I absolutely love that you asked me that question. So I came into this field 
after I had kids, but because of my kids. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So I am a recovering people-pleasing perfectionist. I say recovering because I, I, I still have my tendencies. But I had gone through the the shoulds, right? So I went, you know, basically was in the business world doing what I was thought I was supposed to be doing. I actually was running my husband's law firm, which was lovely in the sense that it was, it was fulfilling in some sense. But what I realized as I was working there and also raising these kids who had started to become teenagers, my kids started emulating my people pleasing nature and that they were the catalyst that made me take that hard look at myself and recognize, oh, wow, if I don't start shifting up some of how I am showing up and, and, you know, the way that I approach my own world and the, the fact that I'm defining my validation, for instance, um, through other people's happiness, it was it was that hard look that I took it my took it myself to say, okay, I need to go through this transformation. I need to to work on this. When I went through that, I realized that first of all, there's other people who have similar experiences or feeling that similar feeling of not enoughness. And I can now take my experiences and what I've learned and I can pay it forward and help others on their journey to really truly understand that they can be mom, they can be wife, they can be a career woman or a career man, and yet they don't have to <laughs> define themselves by those those accolades of other people, right? Or by the validation of other people. So uh, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, and I'm sorry for doing that. No, 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 really no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It, it was more, really, more is best this time. More is best. <laughs> it was really becoming a mom that was the gift that, that was the catalyst to recognize that my uniqueness and all that I have to give was actually within me and wasn't by pleasing others or doing for others necessarily. So from that, I went through this training process. So really what I believe that I bring to my clients is not just training and not just, you know, life experience and business experience, but it's personal experience as well. And that combination allows me to truly serve the people that I work with. So yeah. how old was your your child or your children? Did you have one or did you have two at that time? Because I know they're little emulators, right? So we look at them and you go, wow. And we see ourselves and sure. most of the time it's not it's not the part that we like. Right. We see we see the part of us that we really need to change. And that's that's really a good thing and a bad thing. Right. Yeah. So so at the time I actually had all five, but it was my middle child, my middle daughter, who is now 15. She was the one who was that that one that shifted it for me where she I, I saw myself in her. And as you said, the parts that they're not bad parts, they're right, just right. parts that were, um, you know, putting others so much in front of herself. Uh, and I, w- I realized, wow, she gets it honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, how did you handle that within yourself? So, and like you said, you worked with your husband's law firm and that was, you know, that was fine. It was beautiful. So did you feel as though you were stuck or unproductive or could have just been more? You know, I don't you know, as women, we understand that. Well, at least I do. I know sometimes, you know, no, no we don't understand. No. <laughs> as a man, you know, I, th- I think as a woman, we're trying to juggle so many things as a mom, as a professional, right. as a wife and still trying to be that people pleaser. So, you know, what was that turning point in kind of did you feel stuck? So what I realized was uh, I was completely defining myself by those roles and those hats that I was wearing. Right. So it was, I was either mom or I was a wife or I was the manager of the law firm. I was all these things to all these people. And I realized I didn't really know who comedy was. I didn't really know what I needed and wanted. 
So that was really the turning point for me was recognizing, yes, those things were, were, I was happy about them. I was grateful for the opportunity to, you know, help him build his business. But at the end of the day, it was, it was his dream. It was his, his desire to (laughs) be an attorney and to run this law firm. Mine, honestly, and what really I realized over the course of my work was that I had always had this desire to work with people one-on-one back to when I was seven years old, I used to pretend that I was talking to people about what was coming up for them and what was their issue and, and how could I help them and support them. (laughs) And I realized, oh my gosh, like that, that's what my inner being always wanted to do, but I had covered it up with the shoulds, the shoulds. You should go do this. You should go do that. You should be, you know, the person, oh, you know, that, yes, that's your husband's dream. You should be supportive. You should help. And, and, and I wanted to do those things. I'm not saying I didn't want to do them. Absolutely. But it was about, you can, you can be supportive and you can also be your own person. It's about becoming interdependent and not codependent really is what it comes down to. Yeah, I want to lean in a little bit on these high achievers and and how it affects your family. We were just having that conversation a few days ago, you know, how, you know, you're moving up the corporate ladder ladder and then your family suffers. So it it has to be a balance, but it's almost hard to be a balance if you're you're trying to advance and then the family should be supportive and they just kind of don't get all of your best uh, your best efforts. How do you kind of help them to see that there's an equal balance? You, You know, you could. You can move up the uh, corporate ladder, but also you can, you know, help the family out and be very supportive there. You know, it, it's interesting. I I often say that balance, the definition of balance is going to shift and you have to give yourself the grace to shift it, even if you have to do it daily. Uh, mm-hmm. A client and a client of mine and I were having this very conversation yesterday because she's really working up, uh, moving up the corporate ladder. And it's so it's, it's really about you know, recognizing that your balance on a daily basis is going to shift, but then it also is about communication and really putting it out there for your family and saying, this is what I really, this is what I really need, or this is what I really want. And and this is what I'm requesting of you in terms of that support. So for me, you know, balancing five kids, you know, the, the marriage, the, the dogs, the rabbit, all the things, right. Um, and also running a business full time. There are moments where I've learned that it's okay to say to my family, especially because my kids are, most of my kids are older. The youngest is eight. As I said before, being able to say, you know, this is what I need and I'm requesting, you know, X, Y, and Z in terms of help, because part of balance is about asking for the support and being okay with being vulnerable. High achievers oftentimes don't want to let people know that nope. uh, we need help or we need support. <laughs> uh, we no, put that on shows that, weakness. Right, right. We put on our superwoman, superman cape or that mask that I've got this all. And it's okay. We have to get to that point where it's okay to u- utilize our support system, those people that we know it's safe to be vulnerable with and, and let ourselves go there. Uh, when we can do that and, and, you know, authentically communicate and ask for the things that we need. Uh, they then have the autonomy to say, hey, mom, yeah, I can do that or no, I can't. But then we can negotiate about it, which allows for that balance to actually or at least move towards hopefully achieving that balance. That's funny. So, with a, so for high achievers, just hard to ask for, for help and, got, you know, just like help with the family. Like I got everything. I got the I got the uh, the job. I have the family. I have I have everything under control, which they, you know. Don't. But that's is that what you're saying is that's the main the, problem? That, yeah, it's, it's it's thinking that we have to eat. We either have to have it under control because if we show weakness, that's not OK. And the other is that it, part of it is 
as a high achiever, we we sometimes lose track of what it is we actually need because we are so busy just doing the next thing. So it's about slowing down and checking in and saying, what what is it that I really am feeling and what is it that I really need? And then and then taking that step to communicate it. I was just going to say that's funny because kids really do bring out that. I think when we have kids, we we get to a point in our relationships and we're going like, I need more or I feel as though, you know, you feel stuck. You're doing everything well, but you feel stuck. And then you realize that it's uh, you that you're lacking in. Right. It's the personal me time. It's the development of me. And it, it also happens at work. Right. So when we're um, trying to please our boss, when we're trying to climb the corporate ladder, then we get to a point where we realize that why am I still feeling stuck? Because you're not, it's something you want to do when you're happy in it, but you're not pleasing you at the same time. Right. Yes. So, so for moms out there or just individuals um, who come to you, you know, what is the first thing you do as far as, um, you know, I, I think I want to stick with um, like people who are married. So I know because, because where I say that, because, you know, when you're single, it's kind of a, a different scene. But when you're when you're married and you have kids Family, yeah. and they come to you, whether it's male or female, do you? So let me ask this first: Do you find yourself having more males or more females? It's so funny. I thought that I was <laughs> going to have more females, and I thought that I was only going to work with females. And <laughs> over the last year and a half, I would say that I'm about fifty fifty. Wow, well, men are stepping up. Huh? Men are asking for help. Men are starting to be a little bit more vulnerable now, and they're willing to 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 have conversation about it, which I exactly love. I think that it's the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> that's 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 powerful in itself. They, they don't feel intimidated or you know less or embarrassed. Than, I mean, right, because right, that's a huge. I, I'm supposed step. to have everything together as the male. I'm supposed to have everything together. You know, and I think that there is a, an element of that. Um, I like to say that I provide a safe space so they don't feel intimidated <laughs> talking to me. <laughs> you know, it has to be hard. I guess I guess if you're feeling stuck, you're looking for something, right? right? So you're looking for something and you're that we attract to us what we're looking for. So that's a good. Okay, so going back to the initial question, how what is the first thing that you usually um, suggest, provide? I don't know what what's, you know, for your clients. So it's interesting that you started off with, you know, or catered it to, to in a relationship or in, married. Interestingly enough, it I fully believe that all of it, whether you're single or married, it's all about the relationship with yourself. So we always start with that basic premise of recognizing, you know, what are your core values? What are your core gifts? Really starting to learn how to re-engage what you're feeling and what you're needing. Because if those things aren't present for you, it's very hard to be in relationship with somebody and have that authentic communication and that authentic dialogue or, or just co- authentic connection, if you will. So mm-hmm. where I always start is uh, about really understanding what is the relationship with self. When we take ownership of that, then we can have those healthier relationships with our spouse. If we're not willing to take a look at ourselves and own even, even, you know, if we, it's never a 50, 50, that whole idea of, you know, it's 50, 50. I I don't believe in that. I think some days one person is giving much more than the other one, because that's that, that's that interdependence, right? That's, that's being able to shift with each other, but there's always a percentage that is yours and being able to own that percentage is really, really vital in order to build those healthier relationships with each other. I know we always we always tell people, you know, on the podcast that relationships work when we kind of get ourselves together first. Right. So in order for me to have a healthy relationship, I have to be in a space where I'm happy with myself. I'm complete with myself. I'm not looking for someone to complete me. Right. So 
I say that to say it has to come into some type of turmoil because usually when you're in a relationship and then you realize that you need more or you're stuck and now you start to change or develop the you that you want to be, it has to create some type of turmoil in the relationship because now you're changing and the other person is used to you having you a certain type of way. That is a really good point. And that's, it's very true, right? Because as you start to change or grow, the other person is used to you showing up a certain way. And that's when I say that authentic communication, that, that emotional intimacy with your partner has to be there where there is that safety to communicate. Okay. This is what I was experiencing. I was feeling stuck or I was feeling, you know, X, Y, and Z and really working with your partner to name it. And this is what I'm working on communicating with them to let them know because much like the analogy I use is, you know, it's almost like you're throwing a pebble into the water and it ripples out and eventually the water will settle back down. It's kind of the same thing as you change, <laughs> you're creating, right? You're creating this ripple um, and your partner's like, what the heck is going on? And they're all right. Just absolutely. But if they know what's happening and we're communicating with them, they then have the, uh, they have the autonomy to meet you there and to recognize, okay, this feels weird, but we communicate about it. And then we come to a new a new place, a, a new place of harmony and connection with each other. That's the hope and the goal because hopefully, you know, truth be told, we're always evolving and growing. And so the hope is that we grow together, right? As we're in Absolutely. these relationships that both people grow and that one doesn't grow and the other one stays stagnant. So again, when we're able to communicate with our partner that this is what I'm working on, they're now aware of it. So they can also take aligned action to hopefully meet you there or to, to recognize that, okay, this is going to feel odd right now, but we're going to come to a new, a new place of harmony and, and contentment within, with, with each other. Would you think that um, if communication is not there, so we deal with relationships and marriage and most of the time communication is an issue, right? So you're, one is trying to communicate, but the other one may feel as though either it's because they don't know how to, to effectively communicate or they're just not, they just don't know that they're not communicating or they don't want to. Or they're just not communicating effectively. I'm not hearing what you're saying. Right. So, I mean, in in real life, you know, we want to say, okay, we're going to change and we want to commun- communicate that to our partner. So do you find yourself sometimes having to um, kind of be the counselor and then kind of taking on both in, in you know, as your client? So say I come in as the client and then I'm married. And so now I'm having an issue with my husband because, as you said, I'm evolving and I'm changing and he's it's kind of creating that ripple. Do you find yourself having to communicate on behalf of your client or bringing both uh, them and their spouse into, you know, your office or into the mix? Uh, what we, what generally will happen is my, will spend a lot of time with my client on communication and how, what are different ways to communicate and really try to empower them to to figure out ways to communicate with their spouse. There have been moments, I would say very rarely, but a couple people where we've had conversation with both, both people together Uh, because I am, I'm trained in, um, uh, conscious uncoupling as well as calling in the one, which sounds counterintuitive. Like, why would you train in both of those? And the reason is, is because both ultimately come back to communication, ultimately come back to a relationship with themselves. And so I'm able to, through my own training, be able to, to deal with both people um, in the relationship. But what my goal would be is to empower the person that I'm working with my client to be able to communicate in a way 
where they feel like they are able to express themselves to their partner, including what they're working on in terms of the coaching that we're doing together. Um, I'm thinking of a client right now who, interestingly enough, she and her husband had um, gone to couples therapy and it just didn't work for them because nothing was ever really happening. I ended up working with her one-on-one and and she's actually seeing so much movement because truth be told, it was, she was able to shift how she was showing up. She was able to shift. Absolutely, absolutely. And that empowered her husband to then do the same. And now they're seeing so much more tra- the trajectory towards, you know, finding each other again. We're, we're catapulting towards that, which is just amazing to see. Absolutely. So I'm going to, if you don't mind, Jason, yeah. I'm going to take you back into the personal realm. So, <laughs> so, so now we're, we're not the professional, we're the personal. When you decided to do this, how did your communication with your spouse go? You know, so yeah. I'm working at your law firm. Yeah. You know, I'm working here with you. And honey, I have something to tell you. <laughs> I don't want to work here anymore. I want to do so, my own thing. Right? So, yeah. so how did that conversation yeah. go? He wasn't exactly happy. <laughs> 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 Again, a people pleasing comedy, right? So I was taking care of a lot of stuff. Um, but it was it was about holding my own space and really, truly recognizing that he's going to have feelings about this and being able to hold space for his feelings but also not um, not abandoning mine. And it was really, you know, very carefully through many conversations. And that's the thing too, is we often tend to think to ourselves, I should be able to have one conversation with my spouse about this and it's one and done and <laughs> we move on. It, right, right. It's not always going to be that way because both people have feelings. Both people have their own thoughts about things. And so their thoughts are creating their own reality. So when I offered this up, the very first thing he thought was, oh my gosh, she's abandoning me. And so he had really big feelings about that. And it was about recognizing and having empathy for those feelings, recognizing that that could be that feeling that he has, and then discussing really what was happening for me, what was what was I needing, and the reason behind, not, not in an effort to justify, not, I'm not saying reason as in justifying my choices, but it was just giving him color so that he could start processing through and recognizing this wasn't an abandonment of him. It was allowing him actually to grow into owning, you know, his dream more authentically for himself. And for me also to find the, the thing that I'm passionate about and really live into that. And then when we're both in that place, we're both showing up to the relationship with, um, you know, just more joy and happiness in, in that obviously spreads across, not just the relationship, but the family in general. Yeah. Now, did you know? Yeah, 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 yeah I'm going to get in here. Yeah. Right. Now, you had to grow into that po- to that person, right? I was right? going to say that, right? right? So right. before, you know, you're people pleasing. Yes. All right. So now you're going to yep. say something that's not going to please the other person. Yeah. Or or it's not necessarily that. It's the it's the combative you, right? It's you battling inside. You're right. Right. So did you train to get to that point or you just felt it within your soul that I need to make a change right now? I just need to do something different for myself. And we ask that because there's people out there who are people pleaser, right? In a marriage or in a relationship. And they want to do something and they different. Wanna, and they want to change. And it's hard because you don't want to create the ripple. Yeah. You don't want to create yeah. strife, but yeah. you still want to move and you want to change. So let's give them some something like, what was that process? Because it is a battle within yourself. Like, how do I do this? hundred percent. It's a battle within yourself because you are absolutely right. We don't want to, we don't want to create that ripple. We don't want to create the confrontation. We don't want to create the conflict. And it was really a process of working with my own coach, for instance, that this is, this is something that my passion lies here. Therefore, this is what I want to do for myself. And 
And this is how, for me personally, it was about recognizing ultimately it's not just for me because when I do something that is self-full like this, I'm actually then showing up more, I'm showing up even uh, more authentically and am able to show up more for my spouse or for my kids, right? So it was was a shift from this is just for me into this selfful act. And I'm saying selfful intentionally because I know that a lot of people pleasers think, oh my gosh, that's selfish. So I'm I'm intentionally using this term selfful. When I when I take this action that is selfful, in essence, I am taking it so that the others in my life will actually also be able to benefit from it. It's So it's not a selfish thing. So that was one mindset shift that I made. The other one was really to come to this place of, you know, there might be conflict, but it's okay. I now have self-trust that I can meet that conflict and I can do it with with empathy because I am a very empathetic person by nature, but also I can honor that empathy, be empathetic to my partner, but that doesn't mean that I have to abandon myself. And that was the big shift for me, that there's no reason that one has to abandon themselves in deference to somebody else because truth be told, that's where the codependent relationship is. And codependency is just not a healthy place to be. And in an effort to build an interdependent one, it's about really owning who, your own space, who you are, and then living you know, in conjunction and in relationship with the other person. Not one is more important than the other. So did that strengthen your relationship? Obviously it did. Um, but for someone just on the beginning part of this journey, right? They, they need to go have this conversation with their spouse and they know that it's going to take them through a little rough patch. I always call in the end, it's going to get better, right? I mean, you become a better person, right? You're going to speak your, your piece and how you want things to go. You're going to be empathetic about their feelings and things like that. But in the end, you're going to become a better person. Then now your relationship should evolve into a better relationship. I will say it should. There are definitely those that aren't going to. And because we, we want to be real, right? There are some right. relationships that, you know, if you have a, um, a people pleaser and um, somebody who might be, um, you know, if it's, a, if it's a toxic relationship, you know, it's just not yeah. built on, on a healthy, a healthy dynamic or whatnot. It it may not evolve into a place where the relationship survives, but you're going to be the person who makes the shift is living into their true self. So I would say that it should, that relationship should evolve to a healthier place. I will say right. that the ones that weren't already healthy to begin with may not. If that, we're keeping that that and that's kind of where I was going with the other one. And, and sometimes it has to do, like you said, what is, how has, what was the relationship kind of built on? And then um, are we, continuing that good foundation or are we realizing that the foundation wasn't there in the beginning so was is is your husband more um of a dominant um type of personality or are you guys kind of so how you know and i'm asking that because again the the foundation the personality the the people pleaser all those type of personalities kind of play a role in the relationship that we have yeah it's a really good question that's why i was sort of thinking about that one i would say that um in the uh, probably as I was in my people pleaser role, yes, I would say now there's been a shift. And I'm not <laughs> saying he shift his personality because I don't think I've shifted out of a people pleasing personality or perfectionist 
personality. I think it's just our personality. We just learn to work within within it or in in healthy ways. And I just right, think that right. he, that's shifted too, right? So he probably is more dominant in other relationships than rather than the one with me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you know against the adverse counselors or whatnot. In the beginning, did he ever look to you and say, "Wow, you've changed"? Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't. I don't think it was ever like, "Oh, you've changed." It's just like, "Oh, and not in a negative." Is, yeah, like, right. This, this is different. Right. This is this different. Is different. <laughs> this is, this is I'm new. Like, yeah. Where's this going? Right. 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 What are you saying here? Right. Um, sure. I mean, because we're human, right? We're used. To, if we're used to certain ways of, the, of our partner showing up, we're going to be like, "Wait, what is happening right now?" Um, but I, I think at the same time, there's just it. There's there has been time for him to get grow and get used to it right because this has been over years now this isn't just like it happened yesterday so um i think now if he were to look back he'd be like yeah you changed it was different it was weird (laughs) (laughs) he might he might actually have a different uh conversation now you know now that he's passed through it and he reflects back on it Uh uh-huh yeah i think he'd be like yeah it wasn't so bad (laughs) (laughs) it turned out okay it's fine that she left the firm it's fine (laughs) I didn't have a problem with it. (laughs) (laughs) So with your children, do they ever, um, I I know doing, being in this, you kind of just do it automatically, but do you find that the communication between you and your children have actually opened up more or has given you a better space to communicate with them? Absolutely. I think that, um, that is actually one of the, best gifts that I've gotten out of all of the training that I've done and just the work that I do on a daily basis is being able to slow down and um, take my time with communication with them. I think when I was a younger mom, you know, and again, the the overachiever would rear its head and it was like, we have to do it this way and it has to be perfect. And where were you at in my life 20 years ago? (laughs) (laughs) Right? We would would hold ourselves these crazy standards and then our kids would be holding, holding themselves. I mean, it's no wonder that my, my oldest two are the most overachievers that I've got. Um, and the, the other three are a little more like, yeah, I want, I want to achieve things, right. but, they're, <laughs> but they're a little right. more compassionate. Yeah. It's probably has something to do with it. Um, but no, I think that it has offered a lot more, uh, just deeper communication with, with, with my kids and just being able to recognize to, to give them space that, that they are my kids, but I use my with, a little bit of trepidation because they're not really mine. And that was the biggest shift that I made as a mom was that these are just, they are humans. They're their own human. They're their own person and allowing them to have that space. I get the privilege of being their mother, but mm-hmm. they have to have their own autonomy. They have to have, Absolutely. they have to be able to create their own happiness. I want to contribute to it, but I'm not responsible for it. And that was a huge shift for me as a mom was that recognizing that, my job as mom is to contribute to their happiness, but ultimately they've got to define what's going to bring them joy and happiness for themselves, which goes into, you know, my oldest not following the linear path that most follow, you know, high school, college, she did high school professional ballerina. Um, and, and for me being in a, tr- you know, growing up in that traditional world of this is the very linear path you should take that right. was, it, it, that allowed for that space to happen where we didn't have conflict. You know, I would get parents look at me and say, oh my gosh, was that a difficult conversation when she told you she went, no, it wasn't because ultimately this is her passion. This is what's going to bring her joy and happiness. And it doesn't mean she's not going to 
finish school. It just means she's going to do it in a different way, different timeline, different way. Maybe it's not necessarily in the traditional um, school campus. Maybe it's done differently. It's it's allowing them the space to create that. Um, my my work and what I do has allowed me the ability to do that um, and to hold that space for them in a different way than I think I would have previously. And how about your husband? So I, I listened to what you were saying. You was like, you weren't, you're not responsible for their happiness. Did you still have that same aha moment when it came to your relationship? So you're not responsible for the happiness of your spouse, but just to contribute to it in yes. any way by, by leaving his law firm. A hundred percent, right? Because I feel responsible. I thought right. that it was mine to do. And right. it, yep. it is so important in relationships to recognize that we don't, and, that, and I think you said it really, really well earlier. You said, said you know, we, we don't look for that partner to complete us. It's of the same the same nature where it's we can't look for this other person to make us happy, much less we can make them happy. They're absolutely ultimately responsible for creating that for themselves. We contribute it by being in relationship with them or contributing. And I right. think so many times in relationships, that's where we go wrong. Right. Right. Trying and to then, make the and, other and person so that happy. Co, that codependency where you feel as though it's if they're not or even that person, like if I'm not happy. It's your fault and you need to make me happy yes. as opposed to, you know, trying to figure out where, where, you know, where, am, where am I going wrong where I'm not feeling complete or happy or, you know, in a good space. Now with, 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 with parenting, I don't know why I couldn't get that word out <laughs> with <laughs> parenting, you know, I, I feel the same way. You know, you want to you want to just dive in and just kind of mold that clay and be like, OK, this is what we're going to do. You're going to go here, do this. And you're going to grow up. You're going to have this. And then they come. It's like, no, I want to do something totally different. And it's like, I don't ah. know. I don't know if he's past that yet. I'm not really totally <laughs> past that, but I'm working on it. You know, that traditional, the traditional sense, yeah, right? So yeah. like you said, you have. Because that's uh, what that's what society has put on us. I mean, like that's that's what we were taught. But it's like, OK, fine. There's a freedom. Because just because you don't go to college, you don't follow that linear path, doesn't mean you stop learning. You're learning. It just not, may not be in an institution. Life always has something to teach you. So I had to look at it from a different perspective. But yeah, at first it was like, what did I do wrong? I mean, why aren't you following this path? So when it comes to parent, parenting, there's many different twists and turns. So you constantly, as a parent, you have to evolve. But that also came into play with the relationship. Tina, I obviously view things a lot differently than I do. I'm more of a straight line. They need to do this, that, and the other. And she's like, no, they need the freedom to do that. Freedom. (laughs) (laughs) So it it created a little, you know, a little um, conflict. Things that now we have to work on. Now I have to deal with the parenting side. Then I have to deal with the relationship side. So it's ever evolving. So I I get what you're saying about about that. I think you were asking a question with the children. It was kind of a question and a statement because I was just saying that you have to evolve. You have to kind of let go. And that's tough for a parent to just say, OK, I need you to be you. I need you to grow up and be the person that you need to be. So I need to step back, which or, is very difficult. I, I would say, how do you know that when to kind of let go, let go and yeah. when to say, well, wait a minute, this is kind of maybe we need to rethink this path that you're taking. That's an amazing question, actually, because I think I still struggle with that even now where I'm like, hmm, do I say something or don't I say something? Um, even with all the years of training, right? Right. right. It's like, it's like hmm. 
So they're what? like, Mom, who are you talking to in there? And you're like, really having like, like <laughs> no one's in here but and, me. And I truly think that this is when we, we really have to trust our own instincts and our own our own intuition. You know, I don't think there's a a a, a, a blanket answer for every single relationship or every single uh, situation. I think it really comes down to owning. You know, really honoring, not owning, honoring the relationship you have with that with that child and really truly actively listening to what they're saying and and recognize when they're saying something and we're having a reaction to it where we're like, oh my gosh, we need to switch this path. Just slowing it down a little bit and checking in and saying, wait, is this my projection of a fear I have? Or is this my projection of a wish that I would have wanted for them? Just slowing it down and giving yourself that grace to not react immediately and, and really recognize what's motivating the desire for the shift. And then maybe it's it's less about being attached to, you know, giving yourself the time to not be so attached to a specific outcome for your child, but rather let's, let's get into the process of what we're doing here, right? So a dialogue around what, what would be the purpose for them? What's motivating them to make this decision for their path, understand their motivation. You're doing your own self at check-in to understand your motivation. And then you guys have a dialogue together about you know, what would be the best decision for and, and, and doing it together. I'm trying to think um, even, you know, just even with my son, you know, having conversation around, um, you know, what college, you know, yes, he wants to play lacrosse. Great. I, of course, as a parent and a mom really want him to be challenged and go to a place that's, you know, academically right. matches what I, what I feel. And so there's been a lot of internal dialogue. How much do I say versus how much do I let him make his own choice? And so, I would say that that relates really well to your question, Tina Marie, is, is you know, um, you know, how I've had to have that struggle of like, okay, do I, do I say something here or do I just let it be? In the beginning, I think I was saying too much and we would have conflict. And so then it was a recognition of where's this conflict coming from? Oh, wow. This conflict is coming from the fact that I'm projecting my desires onto him. What's motivating me? And truly the outcome I want for him is to be happy and to be fulfilled well, the truth I know is he's capable of creating that wherever he goes. So Absolutely. I can release the idea that I have to direct him to a specific school. And instead, my conversation needs to be about, uh, will you be happy at this university or this college? God forbid you can't play lacrosse. And that shifted. So I hope I answered that question. You did. You, did. you, and you did. know, you bring up another point Absolutely. because of college. I mean, the whole college thing, you know, we, we have three kids and we went through the college thing three times and each child is different. Right. And I, mean, I had to learn that. Right? <laughs> I had my so rules easy. and regulations. It would be so easy if they were all the same. You'd just be like, we're going here. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're doing this, you're the, doing that. Where would be the fun in that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, they taught me a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. And it was the thing. I was like, okay, I had you for 18 years and now you can go anywhere in the country you want. This is totally your choice and I'm going to support it wholeheartedly. So I had to learn to step back and say, you can go wherever. I'm not going to put any restraints on where you want, you know, where you're going. I'm just going to be supportive. So I had to learn. I had to, I had learn, to learn that, that one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> that takes a lot of internal dialogue. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a lot of uh, we homeschooled for a little bit. So it was like we used to always say when we were talking to ourselves, there was parent teacher conference. <laughs> so we did a lot of conferencing. <laughs> so I have a question because um, in today's world, you know, not 
everyone has that great dialogue with their children, right? So we can't sit down and have that those conversations where we're actually um, in a place where we're both agreeing. So for those parents that want to have those conversations with their children that may be making choices in life that, you know, I don't want to say are the wrong path, but could be reevaluated. Because I think sometimes uh, children do things just out of spite of not going that traditional route, right? So how how do parents get that communication back effectively with their children to just, you know, because I don't know about yours, but kids today think totally different. Oh, gosh, they're they're yeah. totally different generations. So just my helping, social media. helping those parents out there, <laughs> right? Helping those parents out there to uh, not only get the communication back with their spouse, but get it back with their children. Uh, yeah, by the way, I totally agree with you. They use words that I'm like, what even is that word? What does that mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You're like, yeah. and, and I think you, you know what they're talking about. I'm like, I have no clue yeah. what you're talking about. I have no, cl- no like, clue what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> 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 <Not. laughs> it truly um, is. You know, it, and it's, it's really, I think the thing that's popping up for me is something that somebody told me, which is you have to be willing and ready to have a conversation with them when they're ready. And what I mean by that is, you know, oftentimes we're like, okay, I'm ready to have a conversation. You're going to talk to me now. And our child doesn't want to talk at that point. And it's about allowing space for when they are ready to make yourself available. And I know that almost sounds people pleasing in nature, but it's really not. It's really just recognizing when your kids, especially teens, I'm really focusing on teens in this, in this context, you know, they, they might not be ready when you're ready to have a conversation, but the moment that they are, it's really important to figure out a way to make yourself available if you can, so that we can, when we're talking about trying to reopen that dialogue in those moments, it becomes a top priority to just meet them when they're ready to have that conversation. That's the first thing that's popping into my mind. The other thing is really creating a safe space, you know, recognize you know, maybe just owning, it goes back to the relationship housing. There's always that 3% that we own, even as a parent, there's that percent that we own. So it's recognizing how am I showing up in conversation with my child where it, where they might feel like they can't have an open dialogue with me, right? Taking ownership for that for yourself. And then asking how might I want to shift how I'm showing up to create more of a safe space to re-engage in dialogue with my child. Um, and I say this because, you know, I would say that as I was a younger mom, I used to be so much more intense on it has to be done this way. And, and I would, I would be short tempered, right? It was like, I never had a huge, huge temper, but I'd be quicker, quicker to, to lose my, my, my patience. And that was the big shift that I made is like, oh, wow, I need to slow it down and create space that they know that they can have a dialogue with me. And I'm not going to immediately have a, have a, a demand on them or, or something to, of that nature. That's what created the space for them to now come and have dialogue with me. So it's, it really does come back to self. It's understanding how am I showing up in conversation? Can I shift to create a safer space for my child to want and desire to have conversation with me and, and to work towards creating that with them? That's great. And, and I'm just going to take it one step further because um, this week we're talking about uh, blended families. Yes. So for for families who are being blended together, whereas now it's not just you as the mom and trying to have a conversation with your child, but now you as the mom, the stepmom. And I'm trying to build a relationship, have communication with children 
who now we're all together, which is hard because now you have the other parent who may not be in the same space. So how do we help those families to bring that bond together? Yeah, I mean, th- I think it all comes down first when we're in blended families. Um, and I'm actually thinking about a client that I've been working with where this is an issue. It's, you know, slowing it down to recognize what is the story that I've told myself as I've shown up into this, into the, like as we've created this family. So am I telling myself that I'm, I'm supposed to show up with this certain facade or this certain mask or, you know, this is, these are, these are my specific boundaries. I can't step out of my back. Just really become aware of how we're showing up and then figuring out, you know, what actions we want to take. And it always comes back to that authentic communication. And it's not about, uh, confrontation. It's about really recognizing what it is that I, I'm feeling and I'm needing and being able to dialogue and make requests of our partner or of other people in our family. And I think that that's really the the heart of how we create that space within these blended families, because it's true when you're in a blended family and, you know, let's say, you know, uh, dad and, and child and he remarries and now there's stepmom all in one house. And then biological mom is living on her own. You know, she's still mom. And so we have to figure out a way where we can compassionately communicate whereby the child knows ultimately he or she has, you know, mom, stepmom and, and mom who all love them love that, that, that child equally and that they are supported no matter what. And ultimately, if we can keep our, our focus on the child or children (laughs) and less about ourselves, that's when we can actually create those healthier dynamics within everyone. It's when we let our own egos get in the way and we forget that it's the children that are top priority in those situations. Yeah, and not using children as pawns. Right. How do we open up that communication? So you're the stepmom and you have the biological mom that may be feeding whatever or saying whatever because it's it's the messiness between the two, the mom and the dad, right? That usually blurs the view of the child. So how do we open that? How, well, how do they? How do they open that communication up to let the child know, you know what? I care about you. This is a safe space. Let's build a relationship of love and respect as well as communication. How do they go into that area? Uh, actually, I think I think that it's just um, what you just said, actually creating and having that dialogue with the child of you are safe here, you know, having respect for the child as well as because we can't expect respect if we don't give it. So it's about right. it's about, you know, really showing it, showing up with that respect, being very open with the child. If there is some animosity, maybe with mom who no longer lives in the house, for instance, it's about not getting into the weeds, right? We're not going to, 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 um, sling mud or say anything to the child about their mother, because that's not our place. It's about keeping the focus on the child and the relationship that you're building with that child. And then, open dialogue, you know, with your partner, for instance, you know, it's really important to let your partner know what it is that you're feeling, what it is that you're needing. And, and the two of you also communicating with each other as to what's going on, not holding it all in and letting resentment build. Because when we let resentment build, that's when, you know, very unhealthy things take place. (laughs) And And I say that because Teens are a really hard time, right? Just with your own kids. But you say, um, having the respect, right? in order to give it and receive it. But sometimes as a teen, you know, it's if, if the teen is not giving the parent the respect, the step parent, right. you don't want 
where do we where do they set the boundaries, right? So you want to be respectful to the child, but if they're being disrespectful, how do you, you know, uh, meet that with respect so that they know? Because if they're being disrespectful, how do you, you know, how you reach them? Well, how do you get on terms of respect? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, but you got to understand what a dis what a what a discontent come from. Well, you know, with the, with the child. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I'm saying so. You're there in the situation, and as a professional, someone comes to you and say, "Well, you know, I want to be respectful. I want to open up this lines of communication, but this the child is being very disrespect disrespectful, and that's from anywhere from the ages of ten to twenty, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, and and it's hard to do that. So, how do you be respectful and still be a parent and set boundaries? Yeah, it's tough. It's not like there's a, you know, do A, B, and C, and then all right. things will be fixed. Um, because the truth is, our kids do have the autonomy to decide how they're going to show up and whether or not they're going to be respectful. I think part of it is knowing what your boundaries are. You know, for instance, if I'm showing respect and this person is not respecting me, we can still be loving to people without um, overgiving and overcompensating. So it's about setting those boundaries and being clear. You know, I really do love you. I do respect you. But these certain things I can't tolerate, you know, for instance, if they're being really disrespectful of how they talk. Um, and and uh, granted, I'm not in a blended family, but I know that I've gone through this with my own teenagers where it's the, the cursing and it's like, yeah, I'm not okay being spoken to that way. So as long as that's the dialogue you want to have with me, I'm going to choose not to engage in conversation with you. When you're able to have conversation without that, by all means, come talk to me. So that's just a slight example of being able to set my own boundary of what I'm willing to accept. I'm also not going to get into the weeds with them and and argue with them because now if, if I were to argue with my son on that level, now I'm, I'm truly showing up um, from that disempowered place, right? I'm trying to prove you need to respect me because I'm mom and da, 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 and and almost justifying or, or arguing and defending, you know, you have to respect right. me because I'm the mother versus simply just saying out of respect, I'm not going to engage in this dialogue with you. And when you're ready to have a conversation with me, that's of a more respectful tone, I'm here. I'm absolutely ready, willing, and able, but I'm just not going to do it in this moment. That's that that boundary setting that comes into play too, which I think is really important. It's and, and the point that I'm making is it's about not getting into the push and pull with with the teenager, especially because we can we can get into that and we almost we do it if we really break it down and unpack it. A lot of that has to do with our own ego at that moment of proving sure. that we are the most in charge. And at the end of the day, again the focus isn't on who's the most in charge. It's the relationship that we're trying to build. And, that, and that's true. That's and there's a lot of pushing that, and pulling. Good, that's some good, that's some good stuff right there for people who may be going through that because you do, you go through it with your own teenagers. So I'm sure you, you have to go through it when you're doing blended families. For sure. But you know what? You got to stand your ground, be respectful and not get down in the weeds. Like you said, I think that's key and not overcompensate trying to buy them everything to try to buy their love or whatever. Yeah. So. It's it's so many different dynamics, especially with blended families. Yep. So in terms of your relationship with your spouse, going through um, different stages in your relationship, at what point were you and him um, on the same, uh, where you said, okay, this is something that needs to change. So let's work towards being this way as opposed to the old way, if that kind of makes sense. So it's um, kind of taking your relationship from where it used to be to understanding this is we're going to grow and evolve and let's kind of make a path of how to get there. 
So I, I'm thinking about that question because I think it's happened in different different iterations as we've grown up, right, over the 20-some okay. years um, that we've been married. It's um, I think some of those moments have been rather less conscious than others where we just sort okay. of kind of went into it. I think over the last, you know, as I started my, as I left the firm and started my own business and really um, entered into this, this realm that I was passionate about, that was probably the most conscious moment where we said, okay, this is going to shift. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to be the person that takes care of all of the things as I used to, it's got to be more of a, um, a, a, you know, balance is a great word, a balanced approach with both of us showing up, taking care of different things. Um, I, I think that for us in our relationship, like I said, there's been moments of it being more um, a natural evolution and more of, of the conscious choices. I would say that um, for the two of us, the, 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 there wasn't one versus the other that was better. I just think that the conscious, when we consciously chose to shift certain things, that's when I think, you know, it takes a little bit more in terms of um, commitment, right? Because we're, you almost, you butt up against, well, this is not how we've always done it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when it's a natural evolution, you don't really notice it. But like, you're consciously choosing, it's like, oh, but this is uncomfortable. Um, So yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's the best way that I can answer that question. Yeah, it's funny because we always say we take uh, marriages off cruise control because, you know what, we've always done it this way. Things are going well. When you take it off cruise control, you'll be like, no, we're going to go over here this time. Right. So now you have to be conscious. You have to be more um, forthgiving and and just really dialed into your relationship to actually make it work. So, and I guess that's with anything, just being conscious of the right. decisions that we need to make and the changes that we need to make and being respectful in the manner of, OK, this is what I would like. To, to for it to be as opposed to this is what it's going to be right because right. what we were talking about we were going to get married have kids get a job be successful yada 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 and then when you want to do something different that deviates from that now you have to put some effort into this whole relationship thing right, right. now i need to pay attention, <laughs> pay attention. It's, like, it's like changing habits though right you know yes. you have a habit and it's like oh but i don't want to do that you can't just wake up the next day and say okay my habits change you've got to consciously make the choice each and every day of how you're going to show up absolutely right and that and that's also the conscious choice right in the relationship that you're going to have so, and I think the biggest part of this, if, if we could take anything from it, the, the biggest part, as we were always preaching, is that it starts with us, right? 100%. It, it's a conscious decision that we have to become aware of the things that we need to change within ourselves to um, project that out. It all starts within. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and the other the little piece of that is letting go of the idea that we're going to change the other person because it's not our Absolutely. job. Not even our job. We can't do we it can't anyway. Do it. Right. Wow. <laughs> if we, we definitely can't change our kids. So we definitely can't change someone who, who's our spouse because they even have more age right. you know, and that's just who they are. Right. So we know habits form over a long period of time. So you know, it's funny because Jason and I were talking about how, you know, people have this idea of when I get married, the person does this now. But yeah. when we get married, they're not going to do oh, that that's anymore. Gonna change. <laughs> right. Yeah. That'll change. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's so crazy how we just 
make up things, right? That this individual who is who they are, who we were attracted to, all of a sudden we're going to say I do and everything is going to change and everything is just going to fall yep. into place. Yep. So <laughs> hopefully, we'll, we'll, hopefully we have some relationships where <laughs> you're like, wake up and, you know. Yeah, that's not the case. It's not how it is. <laughs> so if you could leave one thing with the audience, what would that be? Like something that you've learned over the years that has been very impactful in your life and in your relationship. Uh, the biggest thing that the one statement that I had heard, and I don't remember who said it, but that I've carried with me is that life is happening through us and not to us. Um, and it's happening for us and not to us. And I would say that that's the biggest thing that I hold near and dear to my heart, because when we start to feel like things are happening to us, we fall into victimhood. And that's not a place where we can make empowered choices from. And so especially in dynamics of relationship, we're going to have challenges. And instead of saying, oh my gosh, this person is doing this to me, it's about why is this happening and how is this happening for me and how can I grow from this? And when we can anchor into that, we can figure out ways to meet the challenge and to, and to truly evolve and grow from it. That is amazing. That Thank is you. amazing. Thank you. Well said. Well said. Excellent. But Comedy, before we get out of here, how can everyone people get in touch with you? Um, give us website, books. I know you have everything, courses, whatever. <laughs> or social media pages, whatever, yeah. right. I have it all. <laughs> give us all uh, the good stuff. All right. So my website is comedywood.com. That's K-A-M-I-N-I-W-O-O-D.com. I am also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest with the handle of It's Authentic Me. Um, and I do have a book that's out there. It is called uh, Ohm Life's Gentle Reminders. It is not actually a cover-to-cover read. It's more of a book of small analogies that talks about everyday um, experiences that I've had personally and how I was able to shift them into either a learning experience or looking at something to pick out the positive, even in the most frustrating moments and challenges the reader to do the same in their own life. So those are just little ways that people can stay in touch or be in touch. (laughs) Okay. And tell us again, exactly what you do. So I am a professional certified coach that works with individuals who feel stuck or feel not enough. And we work on gaining clarity and deep self-acceptance in order to move forward professionally, as well as build healthy, non-toxic relationships. That's wonderful. Thank that you. Is it wonderful. has been a pleasure having it you. Sure it truly, has. And I hope this is not the last. I hope this is one of many because I, I feel you are a wealth of information and it would be a shame to just get a little bit of it. Right. So, I mean, I think I think you're you're absolutely amazing as far as helping people to get from that unstuck point place. Right. And then to move forward. Yes. Yes. More people like you, which means that if there's more people like you, then we're your help creating more people that can be their true, which is the name of your book. Right. The authentic me or your website, your Pinterest. Yes, yes, yes. It's authentic me. Exactly. Which which we're trying to be right. We're all trying to be our authentic Authentic self. self because if we're trying to duplicate someone else, then that's when we lose who we are initially. So it has been a pleasure. You, I know we, I probably kind of, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I didn't let him get much in today. Nope. Yeah. But that's okay. Cause when, when we have female guests on, you know, the male just have to kind of sit back <laughs> and they talk that mother and, and, and family lifestyle. No, that's okay. We have some men coming on. So don't worry about it. <laughs> that's uh, that's I, quite I all right. I just know from a place of motherhood, when you get to that point, when you're trying to do the career and the motherhood and the wife, you somewhere along there, you go, wait a minute. Like I'm not a hundred percent satisfied as, you know, not that you're not happy playing those roles, but it's someplace in you that's stuck and you have to kind of rise up and say, okay, what can I do 
to, so that I'm not only fulfilling these things, but I'm happy in it. Right. This is exactly who I'm supposed to be at this exact moment in time. And I'm con- and I'm happy with the inside me. Yeah. We give so much of ourselves to our children and our and our relationships that sometimes we just. We lose ourselves. Well, unconsciously we yeah. just lose ourselves and we Most don't even know. Right. I, I, right. I, I always know who I was. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I lose myself. But, I know because yeah. the man usually say, honey, handle this. Yeah, please do. <laughs> right. I can't right. deal with this right now. As your husband says, I'm going to let you handle this. And I'm, I'm going to be in the other room if you need me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you. And as always, we're, we're in, in it to win it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Lovin' Beyond the I Do podcast. Head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legendary Relationship or visit our website at LegendaryRelationship.com. Till next time, remember to make every day count.